0: Hey everyone, this is Elon Pufana of Base Engine Radio. Today for you, we have episode number 15 with one of my grid friends from Oakland, California, from our hometown, Ryan Frigo. A really cool guy. He is a California golden bear, just like me. Um, shout out to all the other bears out there. But I'm really excited to talk with you, Ryan. I know we've talked a lot throughout 2020, uh, worked together on a few things and we're still gonna work on a few things together and this is one of them. So with that being said, if you wanna give a quick intro to yourself, Ryan. Yeah, um, I'm a,
1: yeah. my name's Ryan Frigo. Um, I, know, I know Elon from back in high school. Um, I go to Berkeley, I study data science. Um, I work as a, a analyst um, for a data center company called Equinix. And I work specifically on data quality there. Um then in my free time I I'm a musician, graphic designer. Um I love reading and learning new things and um really big into like mindfulness, meditation, spirituality and um that kind of exploration.
0: Nice man oh yeah. sweet. Uh and for you do you have like a a vision for 2021 in terms of like where you're headed or what you kind of want to accomplish by the end of this year? Yeah, totally. Um,
1: I think most of um, what I want to accomplish this year is kind of constrained by the commitments I've already made. Um, right? So I don't have that much free time to kind of like create my own. But <laughs> that being said, um really to do well in all my classes to learn the material as much as possible Um, and then just do well at my job uh, meet all of my goals there and just make a make a an impact on the on you know the team and and the things I need to complete and then aside from that I think my main personal goal is to just um, continue developing myself uh, continue like my meditation practice which um got really strong like uh ever since last year and, I, and it's uh increasingly important to me um that's that's kind of my those are kind of like my professional educational and personal goals well man this year
0: yeah we can kind of talk about a few of those things too like you mentioned meditation uh you work with data science uh And you're also in school right now, full full time. Are you full time? Um, I was last semester, but that was so
1: insane. Um, so I I can't do it this semester. So yeah, this semester I'm just taking two
0: classes. Yeah, that's good. But I'm still working full time, so it's still it's still a lot. I I think the great thing that you just actually mentioned too was um, like it it was a lot, right? And you mentioned that meditation and really taking care of your health, mindfulness is really important for you. So I'd love to actually dive in and talk about that a bit more. I feel like mental health sometimes is something that people are aware about, but you have to really uh, experience some, some pain and, and some triumph to really figure out what works for them. And I can I can also relate to that too, just dealing with a lot at once. But once I started like exercising, um, meditating on a consistent basis, pretty much every day, uh, it changes a lot in terms of how you react to things, right? So I love that. And now to kind of wrap it back to the to the podcast. Um, so Ryan, tell me a little bit more about your upbringing, growing up in Oakland, or maybe some other places too, during your time, but talk to me about being in your elementary years and kind of leading up to your middle school years and kind of like your mindset that time and your perspective of the world maybe things you wanted to do and things that you thought you were going to do but if you could just shed a little bit of that that would be great yeah totally
1: um that's such a big question but um yeah so in elementary school I had a great time I went to an awesome school it was so much fun. I, I like my favorite part was playing soccer with everyone at lunch, um, and I always did really well in elementary school. Um, I just I just um, excelled academically. I think I really enjoyed learning in general. Um, there was no kind of stigmas that I had kind of like formed in my head yet about mm. just like what was cool and what was and how, how I wanted to be perceived and stuff, you know, still being a kid. So I w- So I think like I just had a great time. I was in like a pretty good environment um, for me to kind of grow and in, in intellectually. Um, but it, was, it still wasn't very challenging. So and I think when I so when I got to middle school, I did well for the first year. Um, but then starting with the second year, I just started going down a very different path. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I started like thinking a lot about my identity and who I thought I was. And um, there was like a lot of things I didn't like about how I perceived myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that caused me to, to kind of like disassociate with a lot of the stuff that was expected from me from like a societal and like a point of view kind of just about you know succeeding in classes and like doing what you're told and this kind of started like a pretty unhealthy from one from one perspective unhealthy i think from a another perspective you know opportunity for eventual growth but right I i started really being feeling in a rush grow up Mm. i just didn't want to be a kid at a certain point and it just got stronger and stronger and so that really caused me to disengage with Mm. school a lot and um kind of just hang out with people that felt similarly of course um and so we all kind of reaffirmed each other um even if it wasn't really spoken out loud and direct right and then it took me all the way i think until I never even graduated high school because at a certain point I was like, I hate this and I don't want to do it anymore. And it took me till going to community college. um, By, Mm. by choice, like after that. To, to finally take like my own development into my own hands. Like, I think up until that point, it really felt like I had no choice and I just hated that. I was like, I hated being told what to do. And like I hated just having my whole day kind of planned out, having to wake up and go to classes and stuff that a lot of the times weren't very engaging and stuff. And so, yeah, ever since I went to community college, though, that's when I kind of like started getting energized and I kind of saw it in a new light.
0: Um, Sweet, man. And what, what community college did you attend? I went to Merritt College. How was that experience like? After? I'm with the Black Panthers. Yeah, yeah. I know a little bit about that, man. Uh, yeah. So out, dope. <laughs> so uh, dope. Yeah. Shout out to the whole uh, Peralta system. How was that yeah, experience? Like after you know, going through elementary, you 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 know what you know, and then you get into middle school, you start having some some thoughts of your own you hate school, you don't like school. Um, I can resonate with some of that too. And then high school, right? And at that point it's just like, oh man, like I'm over this, but you made, it sounds like you made a a conscious decision to place yourself in a community college. Um, What was your intent going into community college and like, what did you want to get from it? Was it a degree? Was it transferring? Was it studying a certain subject? Yeah, so I, I used to be
1: very um, anti-college, like for so long in my life, I thought it was just complete bullshit. And I was like, this is so dumb, because all of this information is online for free. right? And so in my head, it was always like, why would I do that if I don't really believe in it? And then it was also like the all the different stats about student debt. And um just like I, I kind of developed and in some ways it's it's very true. But it's just not the complete picture that, you know, colleges are kind of businesses um, because they, they are in a lot of ways, but there's so much more than that, too. But I wasn't ready to kind of see that yet. And so when I when I decided to be done with high school, um my first my first um, like my first plan was to do a coding boot camp mm-hmm. because that's when these things first started coming out and <laughs> they had the most insane guarantees um, you know, that they were marketing to basically get people to sign up, like, you know, like do this two month, yeah. <laughs> like two-month boot camp get a job that pays you a 100k like some some shit like that and so I was like all right sounds good to me that's what I want to do <laughs> <laughs> but like at this point I had done no work very little work on on learning math or computer science at all I, I had no coding skills I had basic math skills I, I was like all right at algebra probably that's like about it so like my math skills were were trash and I ended up like eventually getting into this data science boot camp after applying to to them for so long and they barely let me in I mean like we had <clears throat> we had meetings so I applied multiple times and after a while it wasn't even so much that I knew all this stuff they were they would even interview on interview you on to get into the program it's that I had done the interviews enough times to just kind of I just kind of remembered what to say so I just and at this point I still didn't realize that you know a shortcut isn't really possible for a thing where you need to know a ton of information (laughs) and have a ton of experience so so I eventually got in we had meetings where it was like oh yeah you're the youngest person we let in and like we can't really get guarantee that you're gonna get a job after this even if you make it through blah 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 and I was like I was like okay yeah but like I didn't so anyways I went for like a week and then I decided to not do that because it was like all the savings I had for like two months and so then I was like well if this isn't gonna actually give me a job that's when I that's when it kind of like really ingrained in my in my head about just like free information online and taking it into your own hands Um, because that's when I was like well why would I why would I like be against college and then do this which is even stupider than college pretty much like but you know what I mean like and then um that that's that was my my mindset at the time I'm not really I don't really believe the same things at all but (laughs) um yeah so so that didn't work out and then eventually you know once once i had done enough investigation into what it would take to even start to really learn coding and data science and stuff which i knew i was really interested in but i just had never done the work because my whole middle school and high school experience was so focused on other things because i just wanted to grow up i didn't actually do any work to actually like learn stuff really like I just kind of like got through stuff and so once I once I really realized that it was going to be a lot of work that's when I looked back at college and I was like oh this will give me like an environment that's like not rushed it's like not in two months like and I can actually learn a lot of cool stuff and I but I was still super frustrated that I had to do all the general education requirements but I think over time I I found it more and more valuable. And I just, I signed up for classes on the first day every time. And I would go to ratemyprofessors.com and look at the professors to make sure I got a good one. Because I knew that I had, I had been screwing up since like seventh grade by choice. I just didn't care at all. Yeah. And so I knew that this was my last chance. I knew that like, if I screwed it up at community college that was pretty much it, I just, you know, like it it would just be a lot harder to figu- to like have opportunities and like and I knew it'd always be possible to do it without a college degree, and I still a hundred percent believe that. That's just a fact. Um but but by this point in life I realized, oh, maybe there's like some things that like you know, having that those resources and connections and the environment can actually help me achieve some of my goals faster. Um, but I still was not, um, like invested fully. So, because once, once I finished like three years and I, it took me three years to finish all the general education requirements and get an associate's degree in math. And by that point, I was pretty burnt out. I was like, kind of sick of going to school in a way, because I felt like, I had been putting off becoming an adult. That's kind of how it felt in my mind at least. And so I like applied to so many internships and I eventually got one. And I really looked at it as my one chance to kind of get a real job without a college degree, which at the time was really what I wanted. I just kind of wanted to like start making money and set up my life so that I could like eventually have more freedom in the future to do exactly what I wanted to do right and this was an internship at Equinix and then I'm almost done sorry (laughs) to bring it full circle and so I worked really hard at that internship and um, basically I was able to like keep working as an intern and I applied to full-time jobs for like over a year (laughs) and I got like I applied to like over 500 jobs at the end of it, cause I would just apply to a few every day. And a lot of them I wouldn't put much effort in, but some I would put, you know, some more effort and like do a cover letter and stuff. And I think at the end of the year, I had done like around 30 something first interviews, maybe like a handful of second interviews. Um, and I And I had gotten no job offers. And so at that point I was like feeling pretty, frustrated because I felt like I had a lot of the skills to succeed in in these entry level like data analyst positions. Software engineer was kind of a reach because I didn't have that much. I mean, I had a decent amount of experience coding, but not really on bigger projects yet. And so that's when I, that's when my mom really pushed me to be like, you already did half of your degree. like if you, you know that if you had the actual bachelor's degree, you would have gotten like half of those jobs. And I was like, yeah, like, I guess I should probably just finish that. Cause this didn't work out, but at the same, but so I agreed. I, and I, but I was like, I'm only going to apply to Berkeley <laughs> because, <laughs> because I was like, you know, because even though I saw the validity in that, I was like, I'm not going to spend two, two more years of my life doing something. I don't actually want to do. And Berkeley was my dream school before. My mind went on a total tangent against university institutions and whatnot. So I only applied to Berkeley, and then one month before I found out I got into Berkeley, I ended up getting one of the full-time jobs. And so then, and I didn't even think I was gonna get it at Berkeley. So then I, I started the job, and I was I was super happy. And then I found out I got into Berkeley, and I was like, oh my god, that's insane. But like right after the excitement was followed with horror because I had just I had just committed to something I had been trying to get for like pretty much six years or something like that, you know? And I felt like I was gonna let my boss down because I, I didn't know how I could do both. And then coronavirus hit and then it was working from home and I was like, holy shit, I think I can do both now because I don't have to like go to class or the office anymore. So it's it's just wild how everything worked out, and it's it's you know to summarize everything I've said in like one sentence, it's just crazy how for a lot of my life I felt like I had very little to do, and I was just constantly in my head frustrated, and I had like a negative worldview, yeah. and I was just like all oh, this is BS, like blah blah blah. I thought I kind of knew everything. To to like where I am today, it's like a complete one eighty. I think because of just slow, consistent effort of trying to kind of like dismantle the, some of those beliefs that were really not serving me. Right. Um And, and like it, everything has a probability and that's why I kept applying to jobs because I knew the probability was not zero. Like I knew it was really unlikely. And if we did we did the actual math, you know, the probability would probably be like, of, of my my data set of applying to jobs, it'd be like 0.001% or something like that. Like super small but I knew I knew it wasn't zero like the probability of almost anything is not zero and so I just kept that in my head and I just kept trying and and it's crazy how kind of like after enough time things kind of ended up coming around but I just had to keep trying and I and I think that the, one of the most valuable things I've learned in in the last couple of years of my life is just that true success is actually failure it's that simple it's like what we think as failure and like what so many people, including myself for a long time, um, thought was failing, just like not getting what you wanted and stuff. That's actual true success because it means that you're pushing yourself and you're growing and you're, and you're creating more experiences that you can learn from. And like, if you're constantly succeeding, whatever that may mean, it means you're actually not getting any of those actual benefits of failing. And so once I realized that I was trying to fail all the time, I would apply to jobs that I knew, that, that asked for a bachelor's degree and five years of experience. I didn't really care. I just I just thought, you know, probably is probably not zero. <laughs> you know, like I expected to not get any of them, but I just, I didn't care. I I was just down to keep trying. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with Berkeley. That was the third time I applied to Berkeley. And I And I wrote an essay on how I didn't even care if I got in like not not really in those words (laughs) I didn't really say it like that but I said it like what I've learned is like that what I've done over I said like what I've done over the last couple of years is like take my education in my own hands and I basically said that I thought Berkeley would really help me learn the stuff I wanted to learn but that if I didn't get into Berkeley it wasn't going to stop me I was I was still Mm going to keep learning the stuff I wanted to learn and like And, and that like, you know, I just thought Berkeley would help me, but it wasn't even that serious because that's actually how I felt. And I think that's part of the reason why I got in because there's so many people in, in college, just like how I was in the beginning that only go because you feel like you need to, and you feel like you need a degree to get a job and stuff, but, but then you miss the actual value of the actual experience and the actual knowledge, the stuff that you learn versus like the piece of paper. And that that's like the the key takeaway, I think, is that for so long, I just saw, I was only looking at the piece of paper. So of course it seems pretty dumb when that's all you're thinking about. But when you're thinking about the knowledge and, and the challenges and the opportunities to grow, whether it's in college or not in college, then you realize that's the true value, you know? And so, yeah, college doesn't matter that much but if you if you're going then you can get so much out of it with that mindset that would be harder to do on your own you know yeah. then you have to think so much more about the structure and what you're going to learn next and just like all of that stuff so yeah sorry sorry for talking for so long but that's kind of the summary I think of a lot of the a lot of the the the, the kind of the path I've been on for like the last few years
0: yeah, for sure, man. I think that was a fantastic explanation of, uh, like, a fantastic explanation of who you are um, and your mindset too, right? And your your growth mindset, truly. Um, damn, yeah, that was deep. Uh, one thing that you, or there was a few really great points you made in there, but to kind of piggyback on your earlier perspective and experiences um we actually didn't talk about a business you started during high school and so and that's something that you've been looking to to roll out and launch and and get more people involved over time do you have any uh like points you'd like to bring up about stoked at all um you know from high school to kind of now but now it's it's things are still in a in a growth state. So things are still moving, I feel like, too. Uh, and I know we worked on a few things in 2020 before coronavirus, but um, that would be great to kind of hear a little bit more about your entrepreneurial mindset and how that's developed as well to this point.
1: Yeah, totally. So <clears throat> I think with the the context I provided it'll kind of make sense why I originally started Stokes partly um, is because I just I was I was pretty disengaged with school and um, once I started thinking about like you know how was I going to become an adult like now (laughs) even though like I was like 16 years old like whatever Um, that's when I started thinking about like oh businesses like making money like if I had money I'd be closer to an adult <laughs> and uh and then I was taking that class um called build and I only signed up for that class because they they said it was an alternative to PE <laughs> So uh, but this class is like it's a it's run by a really cool yeah. nonprofit organization called Build. Um and they kind of just try to teach kids about um entrepreneurial skills Mm. and so it's kind of funny because me and my team we did no work until like two weeks before the end of that year um because pretty much no one in the class really cared it was a pretty wild class it was the last class of the day so everyone was just like so exhausted kind of you know it's funny because I work I work easily two twice like as much in terms of time now but it's so much less exhausting just because of the mindset (laughs) like i would be exhausted in high school at like 9 a.m because i'd be like i'd I'd just be you know tormenting myself in my head just thinking it was so much worse than it actually was (laughs) but um yeah so so two weeks before the end of the class the uh the teacher she's like yeah so the um there's this business plan competition and it's all of the build classes which were at like different high schools and the winner will get $1,000 and so then I was like oh shit we should do something (laughs) and then so so we had already I think we had like some members of the team had already thought like oh like let's do some clothing thing or whatever but like that's when I started thinking about like oh let's like let's like I'm either fully in something or I'm not in it at all like it's very challenging for me to kind of just half-ass something because I have to I hate doing that um so that's when I started thinking and like we we had discussed some stuff and eventually we wanted to make like a Oakland brand and then eventually um I thought of the word stoked which has a -A oak in it and that was like that was such a dope word and it just kind of um took off from there uh and uh and we ended up winning the business plan competition (laughs) which was awesome um and yeah I just kind of I've tried to work on it um over the years a little bit and it's changed so much and so many different things have happened with it I mean at one time I had like a soap line (laughs) I was like making soap at another time it was like olive oil At one time, there was, like, all kinds of different clothing. It was in, like, six different retail stores in Oakland. Um, Mm. I almost got the soap into uh, Whole Foods, but then I just kind of, like, didn't reply to the email for too long one day. (laughs) Like, just stupid shit like that. And then uh, uh, one time, uh, the A's tried to rip it off. They, like, dropped a shirt that just said stoked with O-A-K. And... uh, somebody notified me and I was in Argentina at the time um in my what would have been my junior year of high school <clears throat> and I didn't know what to do so I just I was so pissed and uh and I uh, I just wrote like a email that had like a bunch of links and stuff um that showed that I had been like using the word for like years at that point <clears throat> and uh but I didn't have a trademark or anything because there's like a trademark for stoked without the a for like some whole other thing. And, um, so, uh, so I just, I just sent this email and, but I just went to like every news publication that I, I could, and I just looked for a contact email and I probably sent it to like 50 or 60 different emails. And the next day it literally ran on, on everything. It was, it was insane. Um, And then one day after that, the A's stopped selling it. (laughs) It was so funny. And they were like, oh, yeah, come, like, when you get back from Argentina, like, come meet with us, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they were total, they were total dicks to me. I went to them with, like, a plan for them to use the word and put the profits into a scholarship fund where they would choose one entrepreneurial Oakland youth per year to get a scholarship to university, and they didn't even. Uh. They were like, "It's just so out of pocket." And then, but the real thing is that because I'm I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Why'd you even want to fucking meet with me, wasting my time?" (laughs) But but the other thing is that they said they would donate all the profits for the shirts they sold, right? Because they're like, "Oh, we only sold like 500 shirts," and I was like, "What the hell? That's how many shirts I sold in like the last two years?" And um. And I told them, yeah, donate it to, like, Youth Radio or Youth Uprising. And I checked with them, like, periodically every year for, like, a few years, and they never got a single donation from the A's. So they, like, they're just, they're sus, dude. Every, I used to be a huge A's fan, and ever since then, I I hate the A's. The fact that we only have the A's now, and we don't have the Raiders or the Warriors, literally just leaves such a sour taste in my mouth. I'm like, I would have taken the Warriors or the
0: Raiders above the A's
1: in a heartbeat the <laughs> too
0: yeah man so ryan um we talked about your 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 life in terms of upbringing um, education and your drive to have this growth mindset this entrepreneurial mindset too one thing we've talked here and there about has been ubi uh universal basic income and so that's been a big coined uh, phrase uh, subject that a lot of people have a lot of different perspectives about i'd love to hear what you think about ubi yeah yang gang
1: um <laughs> yeah so when i was going to this uh coding school called 42 um andrew yang actually came by and did a presentation for us um and this was pretty long before the uh, actual uh, you know, presidential race. So at this time, I totally underestimated him. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy? He's coming to our school, blah blah blah." Um, but I should not have. I should not have underestimated him because he's so dope, um, and I thought he was super dope. I just didn't know how far he was gonna go. And um, yeah, so that's kind of the first time I I learned about UBI, um, and. Yeah, UBI is basically the idea uh, that everyone gets a certain amount of money per month, the same amount of money per month, which is enough to cover all the basic needs of survival. And so Andrew Yang was running on the idea of $1,000 per month for every American, and he was gonna. His plan was to, you know, tax the rich and tax the the social media corporations primarily um to get that money and part of the reason was because the social media companies are making so much money off of our collective data to market to us so so in a way it's almost like you're getting you're getting the you know an equal share of the dividend of american consumerism which is you know really bad for all of us so it, it makes a lot of sense when you frame it like that and that's what was so awesome about his campaign um but yeah so it got me thinking about UBI because once he so once he he lost I was still thinking about UBI and I was like how are we going to get this UBI thing um and because the thing is that we can't really rely on the government to do it the government historically and the SEC, the IRS, um, the Federal Reserve, they're historically, they've always protected the rich. Um, and you know the, the politicians in general have always protected the rich. Um, so I was really thinking like, I, that's what kind of got the gears rolling in my head for like, what would UBI look like if we could, can't rely on the government. Could we still get it done? Um, and I started thinking about that a lot. And the other, the other piece of that, the other issue with UBI, I think, um, in terms of how we kind of understand it today, is that even if the, even if our government passed it, what about the rest of all the governments in the world? <laughs> right. So like how universal is it if only like a little square on the surface of the earth has ubi it's not it's not very universal <laughs> it's more like regional basic income but like this idea of universal basic income is what's so dope i think um just that word universal to actually think and so that's that's that is another piece of why it might actually be beneficial to not rely on governments because we can kind of address global wealth inequality holistically. And so then I th- thought of how would that look like? And the initial idea was kind of this nonprofit hedge fund. Um, so think of like a hedge fund, but all the profits get dispersed equally to everyone. And so in practice, um, it's obviously a little more complicated because you have to figure out, you know, how are you gonna get the money to everyone How are you going to like verify people's identities um, and whatnot? But the the reason why this idea is so revolutionary is because it uses the problem, it uses the root of the problem of wealth inequality, which is that ownership of the companies is controlled by a, a few people rather than the actual workers or the labor force. And it 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 um, uses its stake to represent the labor force, basically. So basically, over time, as as it grows, everybody owns more of everything, and so it's almost like it's almost like the bridge between capitalism and socialism, in a way. And I probably wouldn't say that like to americans because so many people are hella dumb but like it wouldn't the thing is is like i i'm like a really firm believer in the fact that capitalism isn't really the problem like we are and i wrote i actually wrote an article about this how like a lot of the things we create are problematic um and it's not so much the things That we create themselves as much as like how we're creating things and like what our motivations are when we're creating things and i think capitalism is a symptom of that that greed and whatnot and how we use it and so i think that you know if we can use it in a more intentional way and in a way where everyone benefits from economic growth for example by having a ubi then it will probably be the best of both worlds because everyone will still feel like there's opportunity and there's a competitive nature and like innovation and entrepreneurship and all that stuff that could be lost with like other models um other economic models but you have like a big safety net where you know people can not have to worry about actual survival anymore and um and and then on top of that you know with that safety net you'll actually create so much more time for people who used to have to just worry about how they're going to survive to actually think about innovative ideas and be able to take more risk in their life to actually push new ideas forward. So, I mean, the benefits of UBI are pretty much endless and like every study has come back with incredible results. So, this idea that I'm working on now is about how, how can we do that? How can we crowdfund UBI to benefit everyone um and use technology to send it to different parts of the world for low cost and so it sounds pretty simple and it is but in practice it'll be really challenging yeah. at a bigger scale but that's kind of what i'm starting to work on
0: sweet man uh that's going to be some pretty game-changing stuff uh especially <laughs> as we dive into the the near future with a lot of Funny stuff going on in the market too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We we I know we're encountering some some GameStop uh, boost stock boosts. Um, oh yeah, I said I set my limit order for like ten
1: k. I'm not selling. I'm not selling GameStop ever. <laughs> I
0: love GameStop. I'm so happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, GameStop is done. The actual company. That's what's so crazy about this. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, and it's, it's a beautiful thing because, and, and it's just, it's, it's bringing out the hypocrisy of wall street so hard because this is what the stock market's all about. It's not about fundamentals. It never has been about fundamentals. Um, It's always been about making money. That's, that's what the stock market is. You're, you're making bets and, to you know wall street rarely uses fundamentals to you know they're using all kinds of market manipulation techniques all the time um and if you look at the history there's so many there's so many individual players and hedge funds that have so many lawsuits and have have been found guilty of so many crimes <laughs> and so for them to now just like pull the strings for power to be pulling the strings and levers behind the actual tools that retail investors use just to bail themselves out of some losses because they're betting against the success of a company. And therefore all the people who have jobs and stuff at that company, and I've been making money doing that forever, it's a problem now, it needs to be regulated. But when they do it, it's just business as usual. And so that's, that's horse shit. I mean, what the hell, but yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, I don't care. I I put in, I put in some money and I, I'm a very, I'm a very um, I preach passive investing because I used to do all kinds of risky stuff and I never do it anymore. But for this, after I just read enough about it, I just wanted to be part of the ride. And I don't care. I don't really care if I lose all of it. I put in an amount that I'm totally okay with losing. And and just to be a part of it feels so awesome because because fuck Wall Street you know like what did they do to us in two thousand eight and and what happens every time every time they do every time they screw up what happens we all pay for it collectively we bail them out with whose money with our money with the money we pay in taxes so fuck Wall Street and then they're gonna they're gonna say this sob story it's just it's 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 utter utter horse shit it's crazy it's like it's like if some little whining kindergarteners you know want to play with toys and one day out of the entire year the toys get taken from them and they're just crying about it and those are the people that are actually running the world so that's why we need like ubi and stuff because we can't rely on them to pass shit like that so (laughs) oh man but it's a beautiful thing i think they're digging themselves into a whole with with what they're doing and i think it's good even if me and everyone else loses money because of what they do i think i think it will maybe have probably been worth the price even if they make their money back because of how many things how many shady things they will have done to do that i i hope
0: that you know justice can be served so
1: we'll we'll see what happens
0: yeah we will Twenty (laughs) twenty. has been an interesting start to the decade to say the least
1: yeah oh my god yes
0: yeah i was just thinking the other
1: day how like back on new year's eve of 2020 me i was at my neighbor's awesome party and me and everyone there and everyone i've talked to right we were so hyped for 2020 We were like this is gonna be such a dope year i mean we were sure of it there was no there was no way it wasn't going to be a year, and in some ways it was, but we had no idea how crazy and how, how not dope it was going to be at a bigger, (laughs) at a bigger scale. Um, but you know, to, to put a, to put a positive twist on it, it's like necessary growing pains that we need to reckon with as a society. And so similarly on an individual basis, we gotta, we gotta take the opportunity and make the most of it. And I think we're going to come out stronger. know humanity has has prevailed through so much so i'm not worried but there's a lot of things to be worried about yeah (laughs) but as a whole
0: as a whole it's okay right right (laughs) and i think to kind of connect it back to some of your words earlier uh, true success is actually failure i think a lot of what we're experiencing right now is a lot of systematic failure whether it be handling a pandemic or dealing with Wall Street now, right? So I, it's very unfortunate that we deal with these conditions, right? But at the same time, just like you mentioned, like, you know, failing fast and, and learning from our experiences and, and and fixing them, right? And not just leaving them and let them be static, but actually letting them, like, improving what's already there. so. I'm very hopeful um, and I'm excited to see what you do, what we do and, and our people in the future. And so just to wrap up this interview now, what can we expect from you in terms of short-term next steps uh, with, with your work and your life? Hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah, short-term next steps.
1: I mean, to be honest, I'm just trying to stay on top of everything. <laughs> Okay. I'm so busy so really for me I mean it's just it's kind of taking it day by day to be honest um, and I'm a really big believer or like I just I don't really have a lot of goals that are like finish line kind of goals um, I'm much I think it's much more important to have goals that are just kind of impossible to obtain that are that are more about the journey versus the end point and so like That's why it's really day by day, you know, and my goals are just to like continue working on myself and continue like staying on top of everything and practicing the things I want to and like studying the things I want to learn and stuff like that. So it's hard for me to kind of just like quantify it at this point, I'm just trying to like stay on the routine and stay on top of everything, to be honest.
0: Well, there's a lot I think that, uh, I think we can expect from you with all of your work you're doing. (laughs) And I'm excited for that. And so last question before we, uh, before I have you kind of share where people can at least connect with you or find something to connect with you on, Um, do you have any advice or any game you'd like to give to people that were in your situation before? I would say, you know, you being the person you are now um, and you being that person that can kind of give some game or some, some insight to that person you were before or the person that Is there right now kind of like you
1: most definitely um yeah i think i think the the most important thing that i didn't realize for so long is that pretty much every every single thing you think every single thought is in so many ways a self-fulfilling prophecy and so if depending on what you're constantly telling yourself um it might not be a story you actually want to hear and our brain evolved to constantly tell stories and that's how we make sense of things but the power of what story we want to tell ourselves about anything including ourselves who we are an experience we had is actually in our power it doesn't have to be the first story that our brain comes up with it can be the story we want to hear and I think that's a, a such a valuable practice that when when you get better at it, the world starts to become the world you want to be in, regardless of the things that happen to you, um, because you can't ever control, you know, a lot of the things that happen to you, from like your environment or just how things kind of turn out. So many things are outside of our control. Pretty much everything, in a lot of ways, is outside of our control. But the one thing that is always in our control is our attitude and the story that we decide to tell ourselves to make sense of whatever was outside of our control. And I think that's with that. With that, you can you can do anything. Um, you really can. <laughs> So tell it, tell yourself the story you want to hear and believe it, you know, and don't think that it's a lie, you know, because your experience is totally conditional We're we're co-creating the experience as it's happening, you know, there's not really any base reality. So say, you know, create the experience you want to create as much as you can by, by describing it in the way that benefits you you know and and that that's to say like anything bad that happens you can define it in a way that you will grow from it anything good that happens you can define it in a way where you stay can stay humble you know and not take so much credit um and yeah (laughs) i think that's i think if i
0: if i knew that earlier it would have helped me so much yeah beautifully said man um well thanks again for sharing some wisdom sharing your experiences and being a little bit vulnerable too with this podcast i really appreciate it and i can tell you personally i'm very excited to see what you cook up and what you set your mind to because i think from our first time really meeting each other was it like ninth grade so now there's been a lot of transformation that's been going on so and we're still young adults <laughs> we're, we're not even like oh, we're yeah. not even like in our mid-20s late 20s or 30s yet so we got a lot of maturing and growing and development still so i'm very excited oh, totally. uh, ryan thanks so much for being on here Bo. um is there any place on the internet that people can go to for a profile to connect with you or any brand or Um, like website people can eventually check out or anything people can kind of log uh, to find you on the internet yeah yeah Uh, I'm not
1: on any social media except for like LinkedIn I guess but um, my website is ryanfrigo.com and I have some stuff on there and if you want to like reach me then you could do it through LinkedIn or um, my email I should probably put my email on my website maybe but like yeah, my email is, is uh, rfrego42 at gmail.com if you want to send me an email, so.
0: Yeah, there you go. All all investors <clears> and potential <throat> partners and, and everyone involved. Uh, no, I only invest in GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only
1: GameStop. Everything else is a passive. Everything else is a passive. I don't want any control. I don't want to screw it up like I did in the past, so. But the GameStop dude, that was I had to I had to hop on that ride.
0: Hey man, had a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan. Well, I appreciate your time, bro. Uh, I'll make sure to chop it up with you again after I end this session with you. So uh, that being said, thanks for all the viewers for with this episode. Uh, thank you, Ryan. And hey, thank you. Forward. Right on. Oh, yeah, sounds good. righty, bro. I'll catch you. Okay.
1: See you, man.